It's my joy to be speaking to you as the rain comes pouring down uh, this Pentecost Sunday. Uh, at Pentecost is, um, is what was recorded in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit fell in power on those in the upper room. Jesus had said to his followers in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he had said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And boy, did power fall from on high upon those timid and scared disciples. What they had, what looked like tongues of fire, fall upon their head. And they were filled with boldness. They spoke in new tongues, and people heard them speaking in their own language, their own native language. And then Peter got up and he preached his first message and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. The Holy Spirit, who is God, the third person of the Trinity, Matthew 28 tells us. He proceeds from the Father and is sent by the Son. John 15, 26 tells us. He comes, he's sent to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, that is God's righteousness and our lack of righteousness, and of judgment, the coming judgment that outside of Christ we all come under. John 16, verse 8 to 11. The Holy Spirit is at work in us before we believe, getting us to that place of surrender before God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, 3, 7, or 12, 3 uh, makes clear. Once we surrender our lives to Jesus, recognizing what he has done for us through his death and resurrection of the cross, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and inside of me. John 14. We're born again, to use John 3 language, or to use Ephesians 1 language. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who is a sign that we belong to Christ. It's not that we wear a cross or have a WWJD on our wrists or something like that, you know, the what would Jesus do? It's the Spirit that marks you out as being a Christian, Romans 8. He is the guarantee of our future inheritance in the age to come, Ephesians 1 verse 14. He is the one who causes you to relate to God, the living almighty God, as your heavenly Father, Abba, Father. Romans 8 makes clear. He transforms us to become more and more like Jesus. Galatians 5 or uh, 2 Corinthians 3. He was doing all this in the disciples, you see. Before Pentecost, he was already at work on and in them. But because Jesus had gone and ascended, to heaven and was seated at the right hand of authority and high, he could send the Holy Spirit to come upon people, come upon his disciples in power, to baptize them with power from on high. Every gospel gives account to that. So that they may be filled with the Spirit and move in the power of spiritual gifts to the glory of God and to the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. You see, my friends, we are a spirit-filled church because we're a Bible-based 
church. That's why I've put all those scriptures up there for you to, to see. We are a people that want the Spirit because the scripture encourages us to desire it. That first encounter that we have with the Holy Spirit, with that power from on high, is you know, often referred to as the baptism of the, the Spirit. He's already at, in you, he's already at work in you, but we're to seek him for that power encounter that transforms you, deeply touches your life and causes you to uh, move in the gifts of the Spirit and to want to go deeper with God. But it's not supposed to be a one-off event. Oh yes, I was you know, baptised in the Spirit in, in 1994 or something like that. It's supposed to be a lifetime pursuit of seeking God to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, be filled with the Spirit, or it could be translated, be being filled, or go on being filled. It's a continuous thing. And the Holy Spirit has spiritual gifts that he wants to empower you to move in, even today. And you see, God, in his sovereignty, this Pentecost Sunday has arranged it, and it wasn't my careful planning, it was definitely God, that I'd be speaking to you on 1 Corinthians 12 on spiritual gifts on Pentecost Sunday. So today, that's why I'm talking first, I'm going to talk a little less, so <laughs> thanks for that, Phil, thanks for, yeah, yeah, everyone else is sad though that I was talking for less, Phil, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit less so we can allow God more time to move in you and through you as we worship God a little bit later. So just be open to the Spirit. Actually, let's just welcome him to move amongst us now. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord God, that you are here. Thank you that you live inside of us, Lord God. And from the moment we put our faith in you, you make your home uh, in us. And Lord God, I just pray that you would just be meeting with each people. As I speak, Lord God, as I share the truth of your word, I pray that you'll be speaking into people's hearts and into their lives, Lord God, and that you would just be ministering to us. Fill us, Lord, as we heard the rain earlier, Lord God, I pray that your heavenly rain would be falling in this place, Lord God, even now as I speak. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 12. If not, it will appear on the screen behind me so you can see it there. I'm just going to start by reading the first three verses. It says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Paul doesn't want them or us to be uninformed, but he wants us to understand that the idols that people used to worship are mute idols. They don't speak. Despite all the great fanfare that went alongside pagan worship or uh, modern-day pagan worship, if, if you like, that goes on around us, the gods themselves are silent. Yet God is not mute. Our God is not mute. He is not silent. The living God speaks and moves 
amongst us. He spoke in the beginning and creation burst into life. The world became what it was. He was in the garden with Adam and Eve and he would talk with them in the cool of the evening. He spoke to the prophets and revealed his desire and his will to the Old Testament people of God. John describes Jesus as the word of God made flesh who dwelt among us and brought God's word to us. The Bible is referred to as God's written word, the written word of God. It's, it's living and active, and that doesn't mean that it, it will start moving around your bedroom if you've got, you've got mice or something like that if, that, if that happens. But actually, the, uh, the more you read your Bible, the more you realize that actually it is reading the story of your life and is evaluating your life. It's not a dead book. My friends, we live because of Jesus' death and resurrection in the age of the Spirit, under the new covenant. And the Spirit wants to speak to all his people in different ways. It's not necessarily all of us are called to be prophetic or to have words of knowledge or, or those sorts of things, but the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to everybody and does speak to everybody. Even being able to say and mean Jesus is Lord, Paul makes clear here, is because of the Holy Spirit. The word there for Lord is translated, um, is, a trans, is a Greek uh, word for uh, kairos, which translates the, the Hebrew word Yahweh. So it's another way of saying that Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. And when you realize that, when you come to know Jesus and realize, God, he's more than just a man. He's the Son of God. He's the living God in human form. You recognize that he is the Lord of all and that he is the Lord of your life. Never will the Spirit lead you to say that Jesus is accursed in either your words or your actions. He will never lead you to curse God. Never will he cause you to do things that contradict his written word. Sometimes people have desires that they think, oh, I'm sure God's leading me to do that. If it's not what the Bible says, then it's your own heart's desires. It's not the Spirit leading you to do that. Or it, it may even be the subtle temptation of the devil trying to draw you away. As Jesus had to rebuke Peter in Matthew chapter 16, when he was desiring something that was not of God, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, what you desire is not what my Father in heaven desires for me. That's why we need to know our Bibles as well, church. That's why we need to be people of the Word. Even the Word of God made flesh use the written Word of God to rebuke the devil in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. But the clear implication of these verses here in 1 Corinthians 12 to us is that God is not mute. He is speaking and does speak to us through the power of his spirit. The Corinthians knew this. They just needed Paul to help them say, actually, when this happens, that's not from God, and this is from God. And they needed some guidance from him. We get our guidance now through the Bible, through what the Bible tells us is right and wrong. And that, that helps us discern what the Spirit's saying or not saying. My friends, do you hear God's still, small voice 
to you this morning? Is he guiding your soul? Is he pricking your conscience? Is he laying on you that gut feel or dropping into your mind that word or that picture or that dream? As some people I've been hearing about this week, have you, are you somebody that actually hears the audible voice of God or sees a clear vision writing on the wall or something uh, like that from heaven? God is not mute, my friends. He is speaking. Train your spirit to hear his spirit. Quieten your heart so that you can listen to God's voice. Renew your mind so that you can hear his word. Holy Spirit, I just pray, would you, would you come and move amongst us, Lord God, just quieten hearts, quieten minds, Lord God, to be able to hear and feel and know you moving amongst us. Lord, even those that don't know you, I pray, Lord God, would you reveal something of yourself to them this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way amongst us, I pray. I need two volunteers now. Two volunteers. Oh, Barney, that was a hand up first. Sam, you were chosen in the first service. You can't have that. Anyone else? Otherwise, you, oh, oh, yeah, Ben. Okay, Barney and Ben. If you want to come up here, um, and uh, there's Lego bricks up here. And what you have to do is you have to, you come over this side, Ben. Barney, you can go there. You need to build a, a house, Put it, build it on, on the table. You can build it however you like. There's no, no rules, you can build it as big or, or, or you know, we can build whatever shape. You don't have to copy each other. So you carry on and build the house. I'll carry on talking and in, in a minute, we'll review the house that you have decided to build. So carrying on, verse four to seven says this. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There's gifts, services, activities given to us by the Spirit, by the Son, and by the Father, or God, as it says in this passage. Paul is reminding us that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are involved in the work of salvation that he has caught us up in. Don't get distracted by, oh, is this, is this something for the Father? Is this something I'm doing for the Son? Is this something I'm doing for the Spirit? Oh, I'm so, so confused. You don't need to uh, worry about that. It's the same Spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God involved in them all. The Spirit of God helps you to realize in the first place that Jesus is Yahweh, that he is God. He makes you part of the body of Christ. We'll go on to read in a minute, the church. The body of Christ, you see, is animated by the Spirit of God, just as your body, your physical body, is animated by the Spirit that God has put inside of you. God has gifts. He has services. He has activities that he has called you to do specifically, that no one else that he wants them to do, he wants you to do. He gives you gifts, some for a season, some for your whole life as well, for you to operate in. But two key, two key things I want you to note from the, these verses that I've just read is that spiritual gifts or services and activities are given 
for the common good. They're not about you, so to speak. They're about the body of Christ. They're given for the good of the body. It doesn't mean that the individual is more holy. That's why he's been given this particular gift. It's not a fruit that comes out of the quality of your life. It's a gift given to you by an all-knowing, by an omniscient God. And it's given for the common good. God has a purpose in it. And it's not necessarily about the good of the one who brought it. It's about the good of the body of Christ. Yes, as you step out in love, in faith and obedience to God, he will reward you for doing that as you step out in it. But it's not primarily about blessing you when he gives gifts. It's about blessing the body of Christ. Second thing to note is that it is God who empowers the gifts amongst us. Verse 6 and verse 11 uh, uh, says, so let's read on to verse 11. It says this in verse 8. For to the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You can see there that Verse 6, it's God who empowers us. Verse 11, it's the Spirit who empowers us. That's why I said don't get too caught up on which one is uh, involved in which. Now, these lists of gifts that Paul gives here in uh, chapter 12, they're not a complete list because Romans 12 has some more gifts that Paul adds in. Ephesians 4 has some further gifts in there. And we'll dig into these gifts a bit more in our life groups this, this week. But for now, just note that they are empowered by God. He is the one that empowers uh, the, the, the gifts and the use of the gifts uh, amongst us. And he gives it to who he decides and when he decides to give it. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to you with a divine purpose by the Spirit of God. In his infinite wisdom, he has chosen you to have those gifts. You are a unique individual, you see, from your genetic code upwards. God has uniquely made you, and he has tailored the gifts that he has given you and the activities and services he wants you to be involved in and he wants to empower you in. So be obedient to God when he prompts you to move in them. Let's just have a look at these houses that have been built here, you see. They've built them... They, how they want to build them. They've individually chosen what bricks should go where. It's a very, uh, very good house there, Barney. Look at that. Look at that. And let's have a look at this one, Ben. Oh, yeah, excellent. Look at that. Very, very creative there. That's a, that's a lovely house. Should we give these guys a round of applause, please? <laughs> have, a, have a reward for, for, for doing it. The Holy Spirit decides where he places you in the body and what gifts he has given to you. Let's read on in this passage. Verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, 
and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow a greater honour. And on our unpresentable parts, uh, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffers together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. The church is the body of Christ. When we become part of it through faith in Jesus, through what he's done on the cross and his resurrection, his victorious re resurrection over death, his spirit lives in us and makes us part of Christ's body. We are saved individually by grace through faith in Jesus, but we are saved into a body, into the church. Verse 27 makes clear. Therefore, you're no longer to think of yourself as an isolated Christian on your own. You're in your small corner and, and I in mine. We're not to think like that. It's not so much about your walk with God. Yeah, I'm doing all right in my walk with God. It's our walk with God. It's a corporate thing that we are called to. If one member suffers, we all suffer. If one member rejoices, we rejoice with them. Verse 26 makes clear. It's God who arranges Christ's body as he sees fit. The Spirit equips you to do certain things that he has chosen. Verse 18 makes clear. So what I'm saying is don't despise the role that the Holy Spirit has given you within the body of Christ. God has empowered you to do what he has called you to do. And ultimately, he is the one who is going to judge us 
and reward us for what we have done in faith and obedience to him. We're called to look after the church as well, to care for its needs. Verse 25 makes clear. So when we see a need, we should be looking to meet it as members of that body. How is God calling you to serve the body of Christ here at Christ Church in this season? Notice Paul highlights in this passage that within the body, there is order, there is headship within the church. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, it tells us elsewhere. That's why apostles are first and prophets are second. Third, our teachers, those who expound God's word and apply it to us. It's not limited to just elders, but actually that is a big part of what local church elders are responsible for, the teaching that goes on within the local church. And the list goes on to name some others. So in the church, we're all equal. We're all totally dependent on God, but there is spiritual leadership, just like there is in the family setting that we looked at a few weeks ago. But that's because the church is a family, so you would expect it to mirror what is going on there. And lastly, guys, Paul encourages you to desire the higher gifts. Just before he goes on to write the most beautiful passage on love that's often read at weddings, basically what he's saying is, be content with what God's given you. Get on with what God has given you to do. But in love, for the common good of the church, desire the higher gifts to be amongst us. He writes, earnestly desire than there. The Spirit of God calls Paul to write that because he wants you and me to seek him for more of those gifts amongst us. So that's what we're actually going to move to do now. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And if you want to stand, guys, that, if you can stand, that would be great. And to put your hands out in front of you to receive from God. And I'm just going to begin by praying that God would fill us all afresh with his Holy Spirit. And maybe you can just begin to seek him for that as I'm praying too. Remember, you are allowed to, you are allowed to pray. You are allowed to, to speak. We're, not, we're advised that you know, we, we shouldn't shout and that, that sort of thing. But you are allowed to speak. So don't, God's not silent. Don't, don't be silent in this time. I'll pray for us. And then begin to seek God for the gifts that, he, uh, that you want him to